I'm having a tough time with words right now. I don't know what it is on my part. I'm just struggling for the sense of fly because that's the kind of person I am. So the first bad few seconds were bad. That's my fault. I'm trying to find words right here to describe something. NFL season's done, except for if you're team 272, Buffalo, Miami. But tomorrow night's game, there's just a sense of something I need. I need an energy source unlike any other. I think we need some purple rain. Let's go dogs for the first time since 1991. The Washington Huskies are going to play for a national freaking championship. Let me tell you something right now, everybody. West Coast football, everything on the table tomorrow against Michigan, who we also beat in 1991. Booger McFarlane, big boy football, ha, 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 took down Texas. And now we play Jim Harbaugh, stop, sign Steelers, the Wolverines, the Washington Huskies. Whose house? Dog's house. Whose house? Dog's house. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, is it Monday already? We need it to be Monday. We are 24 hours away for kickoff, but you want that 24 hours to speed up, get through the workday. For Alex right now, guys, it's about just before 6 o'clock as he's located in the greater Seattle area. I'm on the East Coast. Obviously, it's 8.54 out here. But, man, I want to go back to last Monday for a second because we had the Rose Bowl, which was a thrilling game. The Sugar Bowl, which was a thrilling game. Texas was minus four favorite. It was looking like, you know, we didn't know which way it was going to go as a shootout. But Michael Penix Jr., when the lights shine the brightest, second to only Joe Burrow in a CFP semifinal game in yards, and just when it mattered most, the, C- the Seattle, excuse me, the Washington defense shut down Texas. Because remember, if they had scored late in that game, we're not thinking overtime. They're thinking game-winning touchdown. So let's just go back to last Monday for a second and just the overall emotion and how you felt about the team's performance as a whole in New Orleans. Well, let's talk about my blood pressure. I don't even want to know what my blood pressure was in those last 15 seconds. Uh, Probably not great, uh, but it is what it is. That was honestly, what you guys saw last Monday was pretty much a microcosm of the Huskies for a majority of this year. Now, mind you, I am going to stay with a little bit of a caveat there. That was probably Michael Penix's best game as a Husky by far. He's had great games, no doubt about it. That game was by far the best game I have seen him play as a Husky. He was smooth. He was accurate, calm, cool, collected, throwing bombs to Odunze, throwing bombs to Polk, throwing great shots to McMillan, especially on that one touchdown. If you guys remember that one, just going through the two safeties there. Wow. And like I said, that was a game that literally microcosmed the season when our defense needed to step up. It stepped up. There was a part of me that didn't really think they would make it there at the end because Huskies are very bend but don't break. And they bent, they bent, they bent, and they put one second back on the clock, which I knew they would. And ah! wow, 
<laughs> stressful. Oh. Stressful. The last it, month or two has been nothing but stress from these guys, but they always find a way. That's just it. That's the big thing with both games. Well, I mean, not even both games. One game was just stupid play calling, and your guys were finding that way to win. Every, and even to the like the injuries and stuff like that, we'll talk about that in a second, see what's going on for tomorrow night. I'm blanking on his last name. It starts with a W, but the player that really impressed me from Seattle was the tight end, Jack. Westover. I, Westover. Very, he wasn't like a significant piece, but he made those catches when you needed to make a catch. He was there for a first down yardage when you needed to get first down yardage. That's going to be a huge factor into tomorrow going into tomorrow night's game because I told you this last week. I said if this game in New Orleans it's going to be a shootout and it was 37 to 31 made me some money better than that 60 62 and a half point over. Boom. I think we see the opposite tomorrow night. I don't think it's going to be a crazy points fest. I think this game tomorrow is truly it, it, I don't even want to say it's going to come down to defense because we know what Michigan's defense is capable of. We saw them completely just shut down Alabama when it mattered most, even though, like I said, too, there's part of that where, hey, maybe on fourth and goal, don't run right up the freaking middle, really try to run around to the outside. But but no, Tommy Reese drew up something else and Jalen Milrow did, did, did something bad. Um, my big thing is, and I spoke to Big Rad about this last night, is how is... The, if the big plays are shut down by Michigan's defense, where does Michael Penix go? Where does the offense go? What does Kalen DeBoer cook up to have that plan B pocket? That's my big key to victory tomorrow night. When plan A fails, what is your plan B of attack? Well, and that's what that's what's making me a little bit nervous uh, to tie in injuries because Dylan Johnson, yes. he, he even said to Pete Thamel, I saw on Twitter, that he's not – going to be at 100% by kickoff tomorrow, but he's going to do whatever he can to help the team. And see, that's the thing that kind of worries me a little bit there is you're exactly right. Because Michigan's got a hell of a defense. There's no question. This defense that we're going to see tomorrow is much better than Texas's by far. And we need to establish that run game. Like we talked about the last time that we were on here, establish the run early if you can, as early as possible, keep it going, and you get some play-action passes down there so that Penix can do his thing, that's what we're going to need. Now, we do have a couple other guys as well. We got Will Nixon, uh, Nebraska transfer. We've got uh, Richard Newton, who hasn't really – he's been really injured over the last few years, but, man, his first season or two as a Husky were great. Uh, We got Daniel Nagata, Arizona State transfer. We've used him more on uh, punt returns, but – you know, Johnson's going to be the big factor tomorrow. I don't think he's going to be at 100%. He was in excruciating pain, and someone may or may not have been telling him to get off the field even though he was on excruciating pain, but you can't really tell a college kid who's in that much pain to get off the field even if it means, you know, the clock's going to stop. The adrenaline's but... running through you and just cycling at 100%. Exactly. So, Johnson, if you can just do whatever you can, we need you tomorrow. We need them bad because that's the only way. If we have a shot, if if their defense is as good as what I'm hearing, yeah. we got to establish that run game. Because that's that's the big thing too. Because we know with Michigan, that's the thing. Michigan, off the sign ceiling side, we did see JJ McCarthy make big plays when it mattered last week and run that two minute drill against Alabama. We did see Blake Corum get the walk in touchdown in overtime, and we saw their defense do very effectively well against an Alabama team that's known for their high passing attack like what the Washington Huskies have. Now, flipping it up to the other side, a place where I really think tomorrow night is one as well, as apart from the plan A and plan B, 
is how your big boys up front handle Michigan's defensive line and their linebacking core. Because we know that last week, Alabama had some trouble snapping the ball. Seth McLaughlin, I'm pretty sure, was told to fuck off by Nick Saban and entered the transfer portal. I don't know if you saw that. But as soon as I saw that, I'm like, Nick Saban basically is telling you, buddy, get out. Um, So if simple – because that's the other thing which we're wanting to. Apart from the trench battles, apart from the plan Bs, this is going to be one or loss on turnovers, in my opinion. There's so many factors going into tomorrow night's game. It's so – it's so tough to pick a winner, but I will say this, and I know you're probably going to hate me for this, is that I'm, I'll am i be happy with whoever wins just because when it comes to championships, especially in college, this is the first – it's not like, you know, when Alabama played Clemson or Georgia, and it's like, hey, one side's dominant, one side hasn't won in so long. Whoever wins tomorrow night, that team's fan base is getting a championship for the first time either since 1991 or 1997 when Alex and I were both respectively not even born or thought of yet or when Alex and I were still toddlers at that point. So think now that he's 29, I'm 30, and either team can win a championship. It's, it's kind of special. And also to the fact that they are rematching next year as well. Because some of these games, it's like, hey, you may not see them for a while. Like even how Alabama and Georgia, they're playing their first regular season game next year in Tuscaloosa. So it's just a fun thing to think about, you know? Well, what a great way to enter the Big Ten or whatever the heck they're going to call yeah. it next year. Michigan-Washington for the championship. And then next year... And if I believe, if I believe I saw the schedule correctly, I think we're playing them at home. Yes, it's in Seattle. October Perfect. 5th, I think. Perfect. That sounds about right. And we just renewed our, well, I'm, I'm no longer a young alum. I'm now a young tie. So they're trying to get me to pay the big bucks <laughs> down the line. So we're going to keep them while they're cheap. Yeah, that's exactly how it is. Uh, what a way to enter Big Ten football next year. And, you know, <laughs> This one is going to be interesting. I am someone who you got to let me have my kind of stomp my feet kind of uh, 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 kind of moment after the game. And then I get over it, you know, eventually tomorrow I have already mentally prepared. If, if the Huskies pull this off and I'm not going to be biased on here and say, Oh, we're taking it to the house. We got it. We got it. Oh no. It's number one versus number two. There ain't no clear cut winner here, honey. Uh Uh-uh. But let me just say this that we are going to have a great game. Yeah. I know I give Michigan crap about the sign stealing. I know. I got to throw some, some yeah, some jabs in there. Look, yeah. Michigan's a hell of a team. We're a hell of a team. If we win tomorrow, you will be hearing screaming from wherever all you all live. You will hear <laughs> screaming like, what's that loud, high-pitched noise? Oh, that's just Alex out there in Seattle. If Michigan wins um, I'm going to have to think of something clever to do on my uh, Instagram story. Cause that's been kind of a fun thing I've been doing all year, dancing and celebrating with the dogs, but I'm not going to be too upset because yeah. I haven't seen this since, well, 2016, when we made it to the semifinals against Bama and we didn't go that far, but a championship, a national championship since 91, how can you not stand up after a loss and just be like, clap your hands. I'm going to be a little pissed, obviously, but I won't be as mad as if we were to lose to like a Stanford or an Arizona State or whatever. I am proud as heck of my dogs, man. Because that's the thing, too. If this was the Pac-12 championship and you guys lost to Oregon, it's different because that, like, you know, it's that salt burn effect. It's that, like, wounded. It's that salt in the wound. It's that, I didn't mean to say salt in the burn. That's just because my fiance showed me the movie Salt Burn, and now it's, like, kind of in my head. But, um... With, it's like the salt in the wound, the lemon in the wound. It's like that if you lose to Oregon. Tomorrow night, though, this is how I view it from both sides. I'm going to do the Michigan one first. I think there's more pressure on Michigan to win because we've seen the reports with Harbaugh probably going back to the NFL. We know that for Michigan for a long time. This is what you've been chasing. This is what you've been looking for. 
for you guys. This is not like TCU last year. This is the Frogs of last year. I don't expect you guys to get dog walked, pun intended, like they did, 65 to 7, where they just got outclassed. No way. This tomorrow is truly a battle of the Pac 12 champion and the Big Ten champion going to war in Houston, Texas. I assume both schools are going to be well represented. There was a lot of Huskies in New Orleans on Monday night. So I imagine there's a lot of Huskies that are going to be down there in Houston that probably, if they aren't there already, that they are right now. But with you guys, it's that sense of, hey, we had to build this program back up. DeBoer had to come in. I saw the story too with Penix and his parents and how DeBoer was at Indiana. Just the shoulder injuries, the ACL tears, all the stuff that he's worked for. So I will say this right now Michigan winning is just that the powerhouse is back on top and Jim Harbaugh's climbed the mountain. But for Washington, it's the redemption arc that you'd love to see, not only in football, but in professional sports, of the guy who was injured and year after year just tried, kept climbing and climbing and climbing back. And now him and DeBoer have built something special in the Pacific Northwest. And what a way it would be for the Pac-12 to go out with a national championship. And let me set the stage for you here. It was two two years and what three months ago, where the Washington Huskies opening day, I was there, losing to Montana, who they at paid six hundred thousand dollars to come play. Yeah, we go four and eight that year. Jimmy Lake, who I love, Jimmy Lake as our defensive coordinator. I loved seeing Lake on defense. Did not like seeing him as a head coach after Chris Peterson had left. 2021, we go four and eight. Jimmy Lake leaves this place in a state of disarray. Here comes some guy named Kalen DeBoer who comes from South Dakota and Indiana and Fresno State. And I'm at the time like, I mean, okay, anything's better than who we had. Sure, that works out fine. 2022 season, okay, you stub your toe against UCLA. You stub your toe against Arizona State. You beat Oregon. You trounce the Cougs in the Apple Cup. You beat Texas, of all teams, in the Alamo Bowl. You have a sensational season. And now here we are, January 2024. We're in a national championship. To think two years ago we lost to Montana at home. I mean, I know things don't happen overnight like that, but dude, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of the jury, how do you not just stand up and say, Kalen DeBoer, you magic maker, you? I mean, <laughs> now, mind you, does the transfer portal help? Yes. But again, these kids, they didn't have to stay here. Odunze could have gone elsewhere. McMillan could have gone elsewhere. Thule, ZTF, Braylon Trice, they could have said, I'm out of here. They believed. That is what's going to make this victory potential victory so much sweeter is that they decided to stay when UW was looking like just a dumpster fire and they came back they sacrificed it all for their brothers for their team that's why this one would mean so much to me it's not like these are just a bunch of kids from the transfer portal these are kids that stayed and they made a commitment to win the whole damn thing and they are one game away from doing it that is the thing. That's the thing where it's just been a program that's had to be built from the bottom up. Like with Michigan, it was always, you can't beat Ohio State. And then eventually when you beat Ohio State, it's okay, you can't win a national championship. So that's where I'm getting at tomorrow night. If Michigan, like I said, Michigan wins, it's great because like the dynamics of them for so long. But for you guys, it's everything you just said and encapsulated 
where it's a new coach, it's a team that's stuck by its morals, it's a team that said, hey, we're going to stay committed to this program and this region of the country. We're going to stay committed to what we know. We're not just going to leave just because the going gets tough. Moving on to the actual game itself. If you had to look through everything and every single player tomorrow, offensively and defensively, because I want one of each, what do you think an ultimate X factor is going to be tomorrow night if it means that the Huskies are on stage with Reese Davis in about 27 hours from now? So one X factor from each on offense and defense? Yes, sir. Well, I mean, too many guys to name, and I would love to start on the offensive side of the ball because that is where I think we've always been on our game offensively, most of our games, but this one, <laughs> easy answer. I'm sorry. It's got to be Michael Penix. It 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 has to be because you trust that Odunze is going to do his stuff, McMillan and Polk. Dylan Johnson, like I said, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little bit interested and worried and curious about that one. Penix just has to play like how he played against Texas, how he played against Oregon, how he played in that Pac-12 championship. It had Penix. I'm not trying to hold the guy to a high bar because he's already on a high freaking bar. He has got yeah. to have his A game. He's got to be accurate. If he needs to run around for a little bit, run around. Don't be stupid with the ball. Make smart decisions. Be smart. Fire. Shoot the arrow make it accurate and pretty Penix has to be on point when we're talking defense. I mean, look who who's going to show up and who did we see showing up against Texas last weekend? As much as I'd love to give ZTF a little bit of love, Braylon Trice made some money last weekend. Braylon Trice was a huge, huge factor. Blake Corum scares me. JJ McCarthy doesn't scare me as much still a very viable offense no doubt about it Blake Corm especially yep. but you want to put some pressure on these guys and no pun intended that's what Trice's job is is pressure Braylon Trice has to have another game where he is just right in McCarthy's face I think that's going to make a big factor even if Blake Corum is just running down our throats I trust our offense so stinking much that we can score on any drive it's how yeah. we respond on the defensive side of the ball i mean shoot i could have told you jabbar muhammad i could have told you tuli latuli nasanoa right up the middle but you gotta bring that pressure and trice go for the sack if you want but if your opportunity's there get the ball out of his hand smack it out cause some turnovers make mccarthy scared and have to go to blake Corum more and hopefully they get the sense of okay passing game's not working we just got to try to stop this run so maybe easy answers but i just think you can't think too hard about this it's Penix who's been leading the show for the last two years and it's braylon trice who had a very slow first half of the year and has just come on the scenes the last half of the season especially last game and dominated I, you know what? I, for as much as I wanted the, like an outside of the box answer, I kind of like that. You know what? You just go with what you know. You go with the bread and butter of the Huskies' offense and defense, where it's like, hey, if the guys we know that are capable of doing their jobs do their jobs, like I said, you'll be hanging out with Reese Davis tomorrow night, and that's ultimately what you want to see. Now, I got to keep this sweet and short, short, sweet, and simple. You have to give me a score prediction tomorrow night because I obviously know who I. I don't want to ask you who's going to win because obviously I know where you're going to go. How do you think the game's going to play out and what do you think the final score is going to be? Well, it's going to come down to the last play. Just like last time, I'm not expecting this game to be over by the third quarter. It's not going to be over by the fourth quarter. 
Um, this is going to be a typical Huskies game that I have just, boy, I tell you what, man, if I, if I die at age 40, well, you can thank Husky football and maybe even <laughs> Seahawk football for that. Cause I already have white coat hypertension. When I go to the doctor, I just get so nervous. My blood pressure's through the roof and well, you know, we'll save medical talk for another time. This is sports yeah. me. I'm going to go UW 27, Michigan 24. Ooh, I like it. I like it a lot. 27, 24. Cause like I was saying earlier, the over under right now is at 54 and a half. I just don't, I don't see it going over. I just, I don't know what it is. This, this, I don't know if I'm going to play it or not. It just, this screams like the national championships game. We saw two years ago where Georgia played Alabama when Georgia won, you know, where it was like, I think it was like 26 to 19 or something like that. Like it wasn't like a crazy score or anything like that, but it was just, the defensive pick six that ultimately won Georgia the football game. So I see something like that going down tomorrow night. Now, I know this has been a Quaker podcast and last time, but before we go today, I have one question for you because I know you want to get, I want to, I want, I want to see fired up again before we end. Whose house? Dog's house. Have a good night, everybody. One more time. You know what? One more time. One more time. One more time. Whose house? Dog's house. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast. Heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com. Do, did, will. The Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast, at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network.